Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. My name is Pastor Steve Hage, and uh, I'm here today. So you got the JV team. Pastor Dwayne and Jeannie are in um, Rockford. Is that right? Rockford. So uh, me and Daniel were just talking, and I realized, or we figured out, that uh, this is my 26th year of preaching in this church. It's amazing. And I don't think I've ever missed a year. And then the fact that pastor is gone today and leaving his life's work to the radical from California uh, serves as a reminder of his lack of discernment on guest speakers. <laughs> Amen. Uh, so glad to be here. You have no idea how glad I am to be here. A couple things. One is I got my Medicare card last week. How about that? I'm 65 years old, and uh, no more sexy left for me. It's all gone. It all leaked out. I left it in California. Um, so I'm not a real vacation kind of guy, and, uh, but my wife loves the water and the sun and going to places, and I'm not into that very much, as you could tell. Uh, and I'm not that much of an outdoorsman, and I don't have a gun, and I haven't killed a bear. Uh, and we're supposed to be having lunch with the guy that the bear almost killed uh, on Tuesday. Daniil's flying in tomorrow, but that should be interesting. I have a lot of questions. See, that's what happens when you go on vacation, that kind of stuff. Bears attack you. That's why I'm staying right here getting room service. That's how I'm rolling. So, Anyway, so she wants to go to Puerto Vallarta. I'm like, I don't want to go, but we go. We go with these people. And, uh, and so it's not good enough for my wife, for me to be in Mexico with her, laying out by a pool, eating pineapple and papaya and tacos. No, she wants to go on a hike. Okay, do I look like a hiker? I don't have hiking shoes. I don't have hiking gear. I'm not a hiker. I don't care about being in the jungle experiencing spiders and, and lizards and iguanas and all that. So anyway, so we go on this hike. It's about a seven-mile hike, and we go up this treacherous path. And on the right side is 35 feet straight down. Not like this, like this, straight down with boulders, and then there's these rocks, and then there's the Pacific Ocean. On this side is the jungle. So I, we're walking, there's about eight of us, and we're hiking, and I'm trying to have a good attitude, and there's these roots and these rocks on the trail. And so I grab this branch to go around the rocks, and the branch snaps, and off the cliff I go. Four months ago. Broke my leg, uh... Yeah, so, and fell, and the only reason why I didn't fly off into the rocks 
is my shoulder hit this tree trunk that was sitting there. I was flying down and boom, I hit the shoulder, hit my shoulder. One of my pastor buddies, Greg Dickow, said that's the second time a tree saved your life. The first one had Jesus hanging on it. The second one was in Mexico somewhere, amen. But anyway, so all my friends started asking me, well, what did God show you? You know, you have a brush with death. So I preached this message to my church called Lessons from the Fall. Uh, I'm not going to get into it with you today, but, uh, but I learned some things. And one of the things that I learned is that I'm not going to be afraid to say what I see now. Now, whatever I was before, and you're like, age is a radical. No, now I'm radical. Amen, somebody. Now I'm going to mess your hair up. Now I'm going to tell you what I see. And because, you know, when you have a brush with death, and you know, when you're 64, 65 years old, that is not the season of your life to be falling off cliffs. It's not what you're supposed to be doing. It takes a while to get healed. And so today, I want to bring some revelation to your life. Today, I want to share with you and present to you for your consideration and hopefully your application what I believe uh, the Lord showed me as a result of that brush with death. How many of you know you measure different? There's different things going on on the inside of you when you almost died. When everybody said, we thought we lost you. When you look down where you were and how far you fell, and there were like three boulder formations. And Daniil said, when I was going down the cliff, I went like this, whoom, whoom, whoom. She said, you had your angels working overtime on you, man. You should not be here right now. And I said, I thought I heard this faint whisper. Who wants to be a millionaire right before somebody pushed me off? I thought maybe that was Danielle thinking about life insurance policies. But anyway, um, so I'm going to share some things with you today that God showed me about a month ago. I've been in the ministry for 48 years. Once I realized this, my whole prayer life changed. And I'm believing that it'll do that for you too. My perspective changed. I've never heard anyone preach this. I've never read it. I've never heard it before. I just read this scripture that I've read a million times, but something about it was different. I called Pastor Dwayne. I said, am I off? Is this wrong? He said, Paige, you know how he does, Paige, it's right. I think you're right about it. I said, I think I'm going to tell your people that. He said, go ahead. So today, I want to bring some revelation to you that I believe will change your life and elevate your life in a good way. Now, listen, my responsibility is the preparation. Your responsibility is the expectation. Expectation is the cup that God will fill up. If you, bring, if you are coming today with a sparkless bottle, God will fill that up. If you're coming today with a Dixie cup, God will fill that up. If you're coming today with a swimming pool, God will fill that up. I'm telling you, the issue is not the supply. The issue is the demand. I believe that God doesn't call us to be a part of a ministry that has a, a reach around the world for us to be small people. I don't want us to go big today. I don't want us to go bigger today. I want us to go biggest today. There's something at work in this place. When God assigned you to this vision, he did not assign you to go small. Let me tell you something. You're either going to turn this bad boy up. You're going to turn your expectation up. You're going to turn your requests up. You're going to go big or you're going to go home. Come on, somebody. God 
God is wanting you to understand some things. Now, what you, the first thing I want to introduce to you, and I believe this is true and I believe I'll biblically back it, is that in your prayer life, as soon, well, let me say it like this. Everybody here today is waiting for God to do something for them. You're waiting for the breakthrough in your business. You're waiting for God to change your husband. You're waiting for God to help your wife. You're waiting for your prodigal to come home. You're waiting for the breakthrough. You're waiting for the, for the signed contract. You're waiting for your husband to come. You're waiting for your wife to come, which I'm not sure why you're wanting to do that. But anyway, uh, I mean, why do we want to get married, guys? Look at me, look at me. We just celebrated August 2nd, 42 years of marriage. But listen, don't clap, don't clap, don't clap. I was there the entire time. <laughs> and this is what happens. Look at me. Guys, you want to get married? I want to get married. I want to get married. Let me tell you what marriage is. Marriage is God giving you a woman that picks up where your parents left off. <laughs> she finishes raising you. Amen? So that's what happens. She's like, uh, no, you can't. Like, I, I've been preaching for 48 years. My wife still doesn't think I know how to get the mail. Come on, somebody. She, she doesn't, th you know, she doesn't think, anyway, anyway, I'm not going to get into that or I'll get letters. Um, and, I'm, and I'm super happily married. Danielle's flying in tomorrow. We're going to spend three or four days with Pastor and Jeannie. So I'm just saying, but, and girls, why do you want, never mind. Okay, so, but you're waiting. You're waiting for God to do something. I believe this, that as soon as you ask God, if you're born again, if Jesus is Lord of your life, if there's been a reception of the Lordship of Jesus and there's been an activation of your destiny, I believe that as soon as a request leaves your mouth, that God schedules an appointed time to answer that request, yes. The, the issue is not will God answer the, the, the prayer uh, request. The issue is when he will answer it. If all of the promises of God are already yes and amen, not is God a healer, yes, but does God want to heal you, amen. So be it unto me that God it schedules an appointed time. And even though it, it looks like it's taking longer than you want it to take, even though sometimes that uh, the, the materialization of God's promise in your life is following a different timeline than yours, God has an appointed time. The word, the, the phrase appointed time that you find in Habakkuk chapter two means that God will not be one second early or one second late. God has calendared your answer. He has already fulfilled your request. That God is all about saying yes to your request why? Because how is it that he would give his son Jesus and hold out on you? If God didn't hold out on G hold out on giving you Jesus, why would he hold out on giving you the answer to your prayers? I'm telling you, when you're a child of God, everything that you have prayed for is going to happen. It's just going to happen when God wants it to happen, but it's not if it's going to happen, it's when it's going to happen. Amen? Be encouraged by that. So, in order to avoid a crisis of faith, sometimes we get our lives into some crises. A crisis is not uh, designed to cause a crisis of faith. 
It's not caused to cause you to start questioning whether God wants to do something for you. I want you to be convinced that as his child, you are deeply loved and highly favored and, and richly blessed. You're a child of God and whatever you're asking God for, it's coming through for you. I don't want you to start wobbling in your faith because the timing of something isn't in, in uh concurrent with your expectation of when God should do it. God's going to do it when it's best. God's timing is best. Your timing is worst. His timing is best. Amen, somebody? And I want the blessed best for you, and that's what God is wanting for you. So God's promises, God promises he's got a set time for you. And so when you get that perspective then you can naturally relax when you understand that God has calendared in heaven for you an answer that is yes. Now, here's the issue. We gotta go big. We gotta go big, bigger, biggest. That your requests cannot be small. If you wouldn't mind putting up uh, Philippians 4.19 and right after that, Ephesians 3.20, and then right after that, Mark chapter 10, verse 48. And let me talk to you about this. So first thing you need to understand is that the Bible says that God is able. Everybody say, God is able. Now, you might not be able, but God is able. And God is not just able, but he's willing. And this isn't God will you. It's not God can you. It's God thank you. He's already, you say thank you after it's already done. Now watch this. You're going to love this today. So here in, in Philippians, it says, my God will supply all of your needs according to, everybody say according to. Now it says, this is what's in, it's in according to. God isn't going to meet and supply your needs according to your needs. He's going to supply your needs according to his riches and glory that are in Christ Jesus. Where's Christ Jesus? In you. So the riches and glory of God are in you, and it's according to those riches and glory that are in you that God meets your needs. Do you think that your request can exceed his riches and glory? Like, oh, that's too big. You're asking way too big. My riches and glory don't reach as high as your request. No, your request can't even scratch the surface of his riches and glory. The issue isn't your request. The issue is that his supply is bigger than your request. So go as big as you can go. Sometimes, sometimes the, the volume of your request is what God measures to see if he's going to answer it. Sometimes we ask too small to get God's attention. I'm going to show you biblically what I'm talking about. Next verse. The Bible says that now to him who is able to do, everybody say God is able. So first God is able to meet all of your needs. Now God is able to do far more ab abundantly beyond what you're able to ask or think to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you're able to ask or think according to, everybody say according to. It says according to the power that's already working in you. Let me tell you something. God can exceed your need. God can go bigger than what you can ask or think. I mean, you gotta ask and you gotta think. 
I mean, the power is in the ask. God will give good things to those who ask him. The reason why God doesn't heal everybody in the hospital because everybody in the hospital isn't asking. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call. Let them ask the elders of the church to come and pray. They'll pray, anoint with oil, pray the prayer of faith. God will raise them up. But watch this. The Bible doesn't say we're supposed to go to you and say, I'm praying for you. You're supposed to call us and say, come pray for me. Why? The power is in the ask. Why didn't you come visit me in the hospital? You didn't ask. You think I just go to hospitals to visit people who don't want me there? What are you doing here? I'm here to pray for you. I don't want prayer. Why isn't God healing everybody in the hospital? If everybody in the hospital asked for the elders of the church to come and bring anointing oil and pray the prayer of faith, we would have a whole little, we would have a whole different situation. God moves according, you have not because you ask not. So there's power in the ask. The Bible says that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you're able to ask or think. But you got to think and you got to ask for him to do. Now, Check this verse out, Romans chapter five, verse one and two. This is the revelation that changed my life. And it's only four weeks and I'm already seeing unbelievably measurable results. And I gotta get this to you. And if you think I'm off on this, write a letter. I'll be back in California. So, but listen to this, it says therefore, Having been justified by faith. Justified means, as you know, justified never sinned. So when God looks at you, my man, he sees you just as if you never made a mistake. How? By faith. You've been justified by faith. And so we have peace with God. Why? Because we've, we have the peace of God because we made peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained, we already have in our possession an introduction by faith. Now watch this. Faith introduces, and another version says, and gives the idea that you don't just have the introduction to, but you have access to this grace in which we stand. So the Bible doesn't instruct us to stand in faith. The Bible instructs us to stand in grace. Now, let me explain to you. This changed my life. This changed everything. Can you help me? Come here. What's your name? Ross. Do you talk? Okay, yeah, okay. I mean, I can read and hear, but okay. Ross is looking good. You got the ponytail working. It's all working. So Ross is going to represent grace. grace. Your grace. Grace is unmerited favor. I get what I don't deserve. Grace is divine enablement. That means I can do what I can't do. How? By grace. Grace is supernatural power. That means I got some super on my natural. Come on, somebody. Supernatural power. It is, it is God's promises are all yes. This is the favor of God, the promise of God. Everything that Jesus purchased, I'm saved by Ross. I'm saved by grace. Grace has saved me. And the Bible tells me, stand in my grace. But I can't stand in grace 
unless I have faith, right? So this dude right here, come here. Yeah, sweatshirt. No, Broncos, oh, come on anyway. Oh no, that's not the Denver Broncos. Okay, I'm good, okay, I'm good. Uh, so this is, what's your name? Landon. Landon. Landon's my faith. So I got faith, but my faith is only as good as what it's in. So I can have faith in people. That's not going to help me. I can put my faith in money. I can put faith in my own efforts. I can put faith in my work. I can put faith in my faith. But my faith is only as good as what it's in. And if I'm walking in the God kind of faith, faith introduces me to grace. The Bible says through faith we have our introduction to grace and we have access to grace, and we're not standing in faith, we're standing in grace by faith. Faith introduced me. So if you're having biblical faith, every time you got faith, come here, man. Every time you got faith, faith is pointing you to grace. Faith is like, don't believe in what you're, don't believe in believing. Believe in what you're called to stand in. Now, I'm standing in grace. So, this is how I walk in my life. When I'm having faith, faith is saying, hey, grace, 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 grace. Faith says, God is going to do it. Grace says, God has already done it. Come on, somebody. Now, now, amen. By his stripes, I was healed by faith. But it's already done. I just have to believe that grace already did it for me. I'm the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. I believe I have a destiny that grace purchased for me. I believe I'm saved by grace by faith. My faith is in the grace. Faith, listen, everything before the cross is about believing <laughs> everything after the cross is about resting in what's already been done for me. Everything before the cross is about God's gonna do it. Everything after the cross is God has already done it. Amen, somebody? So when you're believing God, when you're praying, you're not believing that God's, God do something, do something, do something. It's putting your foot down and standing in that it's already done. God answer my prayer. No, your prayer's already answered. What did he answer? Yes and amen. Sometimes God answers prayer. He just says no. I don't know who you're listening to, but that ain't the Bible I read. Every promise of God is already yes and amen. I'm walking by faith, but faith is pointing me to it's finished, it's finished, it's finished in Jesus' name all the days of my life. Amen, somebody? Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Now, it's a big difference. There's a big difference. God's going to come through for you. God's about to do something for you. No, what God has already done for you is about to show up in you. Amen. You're not waiting for God to do something. How The Bible says you can tell when you're believing that it's already done because you've entered into his rest. The Bible says the number one indicator that you are having unbelief that it's already done is that you are anxious and uptight about what God is trying to do in your life. The evidence of faith, the evidence of believing, the evidence of standing in grace is that you are at rest. When you are at rest, God will work. When you're at work, God's at rest. I don't know about you. I want God working for me. I want the works of God to happen for me. I want to be able to receive what God has done for me, not what I'm trying to do for myself by faith. Are you following me? Stand 
in the finished product. Jesus said at the end of the day, it is finished. It is just if you'd never sinned. When God goes to make a, a decision about you, all he sees is what Jesus did for you, not what you did. Okay, watch this. You guys all right? So, Ross, when Jesus hung on the cross, is he uncomfortable with me using him as an example? Is he going to get in the car and go, oh, my God, that kid. I'm 65, I'm whatever. I'm two years younger than you. But anyway, so... Maybe. I don't know. But so you're Jesus on the cross. God turns his back on Jesus. Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? My, my God, my God, why are you forsaking me? God turned his back on Jesus in response to what he saw. What did he see? Me and you. He saw our sin on his son. And he turned his back. Why? So when he looked at Jesus, he saw you and me. When he looked at Jesus, he saw you. Now when he looks at you, he sees Jesus. Why? Because Jesus became your sin and then justified you and made you the righteousness of God in him because he made the righteous one sin for you. So when God looks at you, all he sees is Jesus. He doesn't see you. And so when he makes a decision about Jesus, it's always yes. It's always perfect synchronization with God's will. So when he looks at you, he sees righteousness. He sees justification. He sees redeemed innocence. And then when he, wants, when he hears your request, it's as if Jesus is praying. And Jesus knew nothing of unanswered prayer. Are you hearing me? So do you understand that the grace of God has already accomplished it? Now, our part is go big. No, go bigger. No, go biggest. Let's talk about this. Everybody say go biggest. Now watch this. Mark chapter 10. You got Bartimaeus. He's on the curb. And he's standing on the curb. And he's a blind beggar. He's been begging his whole life. He's been asking for quarters with a cup, with a beggar cloak, his whole life. He's the son of Timaeus. Historians tell us that Timaeus, Pat, Timaeus was a beggar. So Bartimaeus got beggar DNA, man. It's like, you know what? I'm just following daddy's footsteps. I took my dad's place on the curb, and now I'm hitting him up for quarters. Now I'm trying to get some help from him. I got this social economic identifier that everybody knows. My cloak says that I have legitimate official right to beg on the curb because it's what I do. I'm a beggar. And Jesus, he's in Jericho. So he's on the curb in Jericho and here comes Jesus, the Bible says. And he's got his 12 disciples with him and a whole bunch of people following him. So he's got his posse and he's got the crowd and he's probably strolling hard through the, through the, through the streets of Jericho. Amen. He's got his swagger working, his Jesus, he's walking. And all of a sudden, Bartimaeus hears that it's Jesus. The Bible says he heard that it was Jesus. and He began to cry out, Jesus, hey, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus is walking, the Bible says, and he never stops. He probably said to the disciples, you hear something? 
like, nope. Jesus, yo, hey, Jesus. Jesus kept walking. He just kept walking. And then the Bible says many were sternly telling him to be quiet. So here comes all the religious voices. Hey, shut up, man. Stop bothering Jesus. Isn't it funny that the blind guy could see better than the people that could see? So here, he's like, no, 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 no. I got a choice to make. I'm either going to stay in my limitations. I'm going to stay small. I'm going to stay begging God for what grace already has provided for me. I'm going to ask God for what already is mine. Hold on for a minute. That is not going to stop Jesus. That's not going to arrest his attention. When we are using our expectation, our expectation is lower than what God has already provided for us. Listen to me. He tells those voices that are telling him to shut up, stay in your limitations, stay small, stay on the curb. Here's your cup. Take a quarter. Leave the master alone. And the Bible says, he said, no, you shut up. And the Bible said he jumped up and he cried out more than before, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I mean, he jumped up and he was like, hey. Yo, I guess you didn't know Bartimaeus ain't living like this no more. Anyway, I don't know what he was doing. So, so he, a couple people are like, oh my. Okay, I've never seen Pastor Dwayne do that. Okay, here we go. So Jesus, the second time when he cried out more than before, goes, turns around. He heard something the second time that he didn't hear the first time. What did he hear the second time? Bartimaeus went biggest. He's like, I am not gonna let the voice of limitations put a lid on my ask. Jesus, get over here. Jesus stops, turns around, and says, bring that man to me. And the interesting thing, let me have the piano player up there, please. And play something good this time. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Totally kidding, sorry, man. Oh, God. You're observing a visitor for the last time. Okay, here we go. Just kidding, man. So Jesus doesn't say to him, now that we're face to face, I need to ask you to do something for me. That's not what happened. He walks up to the dude and says, what do you want me to do for you? Now that you have my attention, let's go big. What can I do for you? Now that I'm walking through Res Life in whatever city we're in, Granville, now that we're in Granville, Michigan, and you got my attention, Stop asking me what you want me to do for you. Lord, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? All that will take care of itself when you figure out what he wants to do for you. I want my money back. I want my destiny back. I want my family back. 
I want my dream back. I want my peace back. I want my ministry back. I want my power back. I want my vision back. Now that you have his attention, go big, ist. Because I don't think Bartimaeus was asking big enough the first time. Maybe, just maybe, you haven't been asking big enough. I'm not trying to shame nobody. I'm just saying, dog, why not, man? How much time you think you got left on this planet? What do you want for your family? What do you want for your business? What do you want for your kids? How big do you want to go? What do you want this thing to look like? Not what it looks like. Not what you saw when you couldn't see. Now that you got your sight back, how big do you want to go? What do you want to do for the kingdom? Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.